This is the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, the Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Welcome, Weekend Warriors of Michigan Politics and Government. Can you believe what has gone on in just this past week? As I've said before, each passing week produces bombshell news that surpasses everything we've seen in the preceding week and back before that. We've got to start with the fact that six Michigan residents were listed among the 70 arrested in connection with the U.S. Capitol breach And unrest, put it politely, Wednesday, as Congress tried to certify the 2020 election results. I won't list all the names of these Michigan culprits. And the D.C. police didn't provide hometowns, but several of them were charged with offenses like carrying a pistol without a license, possession of a large capacity ammunition feeding device, possession of unregistered ammunition, violating curfew, and unlawful entry. Others charged in other states included 17 other states at least. President Donald Trump supporters successfully seized the Capitol, as I think we know, leading to lawmakers being escorted to secure locations before law enforcement could secure the building. By the end, three people died of medical emergencies. I think it's now four. And one woman, 35-year-old Ashley Babbitt of Maryland, was fatally shot by U.S. Capitol Police. Fifty-six officers were injured, two were hospitalized, dozens were arrested, and two pipe bombs were recovered from the Democratic National Committee and the Republican National Committee. And law enforcement also recovered six firearms. Now, as a result of all this, U.S. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York said he and U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi tried contacting Vice President Mike Pence to call on him to invoke the 25th Amendment, which is designed to remove a president when they are no longer fit to hold office. According to Schumer, quote, they kept us on hold for 25 minutes, and then they said the vice president would not come to the phone, unquote. U.S. Senator Gary Peters of Michigan and five Democratic members of the Michigan congressional delegation have essentially joined what is called the 25th, the 45th movement, responding to Wednesday's unparalleled siege of the U.S. Capitol, which many believe was ignited by President Donald Trump's claims of a stolen election. Now, Day before yesterday, Pelosi publicly said the 25th Amendment should be invoked to remove Trump from office, explaining, quote, Congress may be prepared to move forward with impeachment, unquote, if the calls for action are neglected by the entitled individuals, which are the vice president and a majority of either the president's cabinet or the members of Congress. And I'm continuing her quote, Donald Trump must be removed from office immediately, unquote. Uh, U.S. Representative Rashida Tlaib, Democrat of Detroit, who's co-leading the introduction of articles of impeachment against Trump, said Congress must reconvene now and take action, unquote. I'm continuing Tlaib's quote, 
Trumpism is a disease that will last long after he leaves office, and we must perform our duty to get him out of the White House as soon as possible and work to create a society and transform a country to be one that is rooted in justice and equity, unquote. Other Michigan members of Congress uh, joining with Tlaib are U.S. Representative Dan Kildee of Flint, Andy Levin of Bloomfield Township, Brenda Lawrence, Southfield, and Haley Stevens of Rochester Hills, all Democrats. Most conversations are related to Section 4 of the 25th Amendment, which provides that the aforementioned groups would, quote, declare in writing to the Senate President pro tem and House Speaker that the sitting president is unable to perform the duties of the office, unquote. If done in this situation, Pence would immediately become acting president until President-elect Joe Biden takes office on January 20th. Additionally, Trump would be allowed to withstand and combat the effort by declaring himself fit in official writing, leaving the vice president and impeachment advocates with four days to disagree. If a successful disagreement is not provided, either from a united front or a successful congressional vote, the president will resume his or her duties. If all that wasn't enough, the Michigan State Police made a quick arrest on a bomb threat phoned into the state capitol early Wednesday. Now, folks, I got to tell you, this happened a lot during the Vietnam War back in the 1970s. I know because I was there. This time, the Michigan State Police and the State Attorney General's Office worked in concert to arrest a person from Eaton County, although the threat itself was made in Ingham County. The suspect is in custody, but no name was released pending a legal proceeding. The police had announced earlier Wednesday that the Michigan State Capitol Facilities Control Office received a bomb threat from a male caller. The Capitol was already closed to the public due to the normal health protocols that take place when there is no legislative activity, but it was closed until 9 a.m. to legislators and staff. Authorities sent out the bomb-sniffing dogs and searched the premises. They found nothing. The Capitol was reopened later in the day. What about less dramatic but still important news? Like, what about the issues confronting the incoming 101st Michigan legislature? How to solve the impasse between Governor Gretchen Whitmer and the legislature on how to get an extension of unemployment benefits to Michigan's jobless. We talked about the governor's veto last week that threw a monkey wrench into efforts to solve that problem. Secondly, how to get COVID-19-related relief to Michigan's beleaguered entertainment and food services industry, which has been hammered by the governor's shutdown orders. Third, how to clean up Michigan's mail-in and absentee voting system in the wake of the November 3rd general election. Should clerks be given more time to count ballots before in-person voting on Election Day? Did Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson handle voting law as she should have? And if not, can anything be done about it? How about the pending ballot proposal to expand the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act to include Michigan's LGBTQ population? Will majority Republicans try to enact something into law to preclude it from getting on the ballot? Will Gretchen Whitmer go along with that? 
What about the governor's recent vetoes, 17 of them pocket vetoes, and including a veto of a bill expunging first-time offenses for DUIL offenses? That passed with overwhelming bipartisan support as part of a multi-bill criminal justice reform package, which he signed with few exceptions. Will the new 101st legislature try to pass those bills again? And if Whitmer vetoes them, try to override her vetoes. On another subject, former Secretary of State Candace Miller, an ex-member of Congress, who is now the Macomb County Public Works Commissioner, took herself out of the race for governor in 2022. She would be the strongest candidate Republicans could nominate unless she changes her mind. And Michigan Republican Chair Laura Cox took herself out of the running for re-election in the face of a challenge from former Chairman Ron Weiser and his co-chair running mate, Mishawn Maddock. And Mishawn was the subject of demands by not just Democrats, but some Republicans, that she withdraw as a candidate for co-chair because of her support for the massive caravan of Michiganders who drove to Washington to participate in the demonstration that led to the atrocity in the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday. Some are demanding that her husband, State Representative Matt Maddock, resign from the State House of Representatives because he accompanied his wife to D.C. in support of the same rally. Well, folks, uh, that is just maybe three quarters of everything that happened this week. And we'll talk a little bit more about it with our upcoming guests. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. As promised, we are back, and we are fortunate to have on the line with us Susie Avery, a former chair of the Michigan Republican Party sometime back in the day, like 25 years ago. But today, she's co-director of the Michigan Political Leadership Program, Michigan State University. She is very much firing on all cylinders. Welcome to the Political Insider, Susie Avery. Well, thank you, Bill. And as one like you who've been around for a while, this has been quite a week. I was going to say, I originally asked you to be on today to talk about the upcoming battle, we thought, uh, at the Republican State Convention next month between sitting uh, Michigan Republican Party chair Laura Cox, who was supposedly running for reelection, and a challenge she was getting from former chairman Ron Weiser and his running mate, Mishawn Maddock. But that seems to have been overtaken by events this week. But, you know, there's a little connection there. I just want to ask you, uh, Laura Cox at this point has withdrawn as a candidate. Uh, so how do you look at the whole situation going into the Republican convention a month from now? Well, I think it's going to be um, uh, wiser. Of course, you you had to file within a certain period of time. I mean, there's party rules how you have to do it. You have to get a certain number of people to uh, sign a piece of paper that says da, da, da. And that's true for, like, every, the outreach people, the ethnic people, et cetera, et cetera. And they, all those deadlines have passed. So um, he is in it now by himself with his with his running mate. And um, 
So I think he will be almost by by acclamation um, the the new chair. Of course, there's a lot of speculation going on on the national level. Now, what's Ronna Romney McDaniel going to do? I mean, no one's really heard from her and all this kind of stuff. Very, very quiet. Just talked to a friend of mine in D.C. Um, who said, you know, we haven't heard a thing. She was in Florida for the national convention, but then, you know, she hasn't said anything. Usually, as you and I know, when a party loses an election, the heads of those parties leave that, and new people take over. But she had Trump's support for staying on, so it'll be, I think, interesting to see what what happens with that. Ron has been involved in politics. Ron Weiser has been, Ambassador Weiser has been involved in politics, uh, Republican politics for years. I don't think he's going to have any trouble um, in terms of his race. Um, but it's, it's, there, there is, there has been some talk about, um, about, about his running mate um, in terms of um, her participation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there have been calls for her to withdraw as a candidate. This is Michonne Maddock, who is the wife of State Representative Matt Maddock, and there have been calls for him to resign his seat in the State House of Representatives. And they were both in Washington. They had gone down there with a caravan of cars and buses and vans from Michigan to attend the rally. Uh, They were apparently nowhere near the scene of the atrocity at the Capitol. They were in their hotel and Michonne Maddock has made a statement condemning what happened. But uh, let me ask you, she said she's not withdrawing as a candidate. Uh, so she's going to be in the spotlight, I would think, at the state convention. And I would think, you know, if she makes any remarks at all, uh, it's going to be the focus of national attention. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, uh, because anybody who was connected with the, with the stuff in D.C. is going to um, – is going to get a lot of of uh, earn, what we used to call earned media media that you earn and not pay for. Um, I think she'll probably she, she'll stay with the ticket. And I, I was very heartened to see that she put out a statement condemning the violence. And um, I mean, she just was very honest and just said, you know, it just got really really cold and we were tired of standing up, so we went back to the hotel. <laughs> um, and um, I, I think I think she did I, I, she did the right thing by not going to the Capitol. Um, on that after the after the rally, it, that was a long rally. If you remember, I was watching it on uh, on television, and he spoke for a long time. The president does he ever not speak for a no, long yeah, time? Yeah, I know he doesn't speak from a te- he doesn't he they they give him a text and he he you know kind of and you know it's, I I think back to like like Snyder Snyder only had um, bullet points uh, Governor Snyder only had bullet points and the press used to complain that they'd actually have to listen to him because they couldn't just <laughs> sit and 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 go with the with the speech as had been written and I think the same thing happens with the media these days they don't dare not listen because <laughs> they don't know what he's going to say. Well, what about the fallout from what happened in Washington, the ripple effect back here in Michigan? Obviously, there was a bomb scare at the state capitol, right. and there have been all these calls uh, by state Democratic legislators for uh, members of the House and Senate not to be seated uh, simply because uh, they were affiliated not with the violence necessarily at the Capitol, but with the effort to overturn the results of the election in Michigan by contesting the electoral vote count announced by Mike Pence on Wednesday. Um, So where do you see all that going? 
Well, I, I, it's going to go nowhere. I mean, uh, they can they can make all the statements they want, and you know, this is a way for them to uh, get in the news, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I, I just do all of this, all of this ranting and raving that's going on right now will come to an end once they once they get back to to work at the Capitol. Um, I, I mean, it's just like we're hearing a lot of things about this um, uh, 25th Amendment or hearing things about impeachment. All, all that is, is, is just talk. That's not going to happen. Um, the only thing that's going to happen that upsets me is that law enforcement now plans to build a seven-foot-high and scalable wall that's going to stretch several blocks and encompass the entire capital. This is U.S. Capitol grounds. Um, and as you and I have been in that building many times, I mean, that's kind of like the people's house and, you know, school groups come. I, I hate to see that. Well, not only that, but the Democratic legislators here in Michigan are also reintroducing the idea of an emergency session of the state capital Conven- uh, commission to ban uh, firearms in the capital, which they've been demanding since last spring when there was a siege of the state capitol by demonstrators with people openly carrying firearms. So now Democrats in the legislature are saying, you know, this is all the more reason why we've got to ban firearms in the capitol right now. So, right, and I, and I think I think I, I have heard that um, the people on the capitol committee um, um, that I was once on, and by the way, the most uh, controversial thing we handled is should we put Christmas lights on the Capitol Dome, for God's sake. Um, but anyway. Um, Those were the days. Tra- they're, they're trying to work on a compromise um, uh, for that. I, I have heard a, a different kind of uh, angle to that, which is a lot of this has to do with the expense involved because you have to put in – um, you know, we're not the TSA. Now, there might be money within the TSA budget. Uh, that's the Transportation Safety Administration, federal uh, money to put in that. And then, of course, the state police are going, well, if you want us to stand there and do this, we have to be we have to pay these people. So there's like a lot of these administrative issues, not just the let's just go and do this kind of thing um, that I hear that they're working on in depth. As we speak, actually, today, I hear that they're working on it. Yeah, one of the things nobody talks about is uh, metal detectors. Correct. Uh, We talk about the people's house. Boy, would that be an impediment. Look, we could keep talking about this, but we're out of time already. I want to thank you, Susie Avery, for your perspective. It was brilliant as usual. Thank you so much, Susie Avery former chair of the Michigan Republican Party, assessing what happened this week and what will happen going forward. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, Bill. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We have returned, and we have somebody on the line with us who is from one of West Michigan's most illustrious political families. He is Representative Brian Posthumus. He is a Republican from a Greenville mailing address. Now, Greenville is in Montcalm County. I do not believe the city of Greenville is in Representative Posthumus's district, but address uh, in Oakfield Township. He represents the 73rd House District, and I believe that includes the city of East Grand Rapids and seven townships, including Oakfield. 
And I want to welcome you to the Political Insider, Representative Brian Posthumus. Well, thank you for having me, Bill. I appreciate it. I've uh, I've long read your brochures and uh, pamphlets that you put out, and, and your insight has uh, always uh, always been good for me to know. Well, I really appreciate uh, those compliments. Uh, let me ask you, uh, what is your reaction? Uh, we never expected this week when you have just taken the oath of office and are entering the State House of Representatives to be the week that it has been in Washington, D.C. There's been lots of reaction to it. What is your reaction? Uh, dumbfounded, in shock, in awe, just re- ju- just can't fathom the fact that that happened in the United States. I mean, the halls of Congress are a pillar of democracy throughout the world, and to see them desecrated in the fashion that they were, uh, and and to, to see that disrespect shown toward our country and toward our democracy is just unfathomable and unbelievable. That being said, I still believe we live in the best country in the world. I still believe in American exceptionalism. I still believe that we are and can continue to be uh, that shining city on the hill. And uh, I intend to do everything I can in my power, everything I can to make sure we stay that way. Representative Posthumus, do you get any reaction uh, from your new fellow members of the State House of Representatives, either the incoming freshmen or the sitting members? I mean, from what you've seen, heard, and talked about in the last couple of days, what is the feeling among the members of the state house right now about this? I, I think it's universally understood that what happened in D.C. is not okay. That is not America. That is not what we represent, and and it's not what we are going to represent moving forward. No, nobody is okay with that. It doesn't matter if you are a Republican elected official uh, here in the state of Michigan or if you are a Democrat. Uh, it, it, everybody is on the same page. That, that what happened in Washington, D.C. is completely and utterly unacceptable. Okay, so looking at that, what were the issues you campaigned on this year in your campaign for the State House in the 73rd District, and what do you see your challenges going forward? Uh, so the, the number one issue that I campaigned on, in fact, the reason why I, I got in the race. Bill, I wasn't planning on running for state representative. Uh, I didn't even decide to run until I was driving my car to the the county clerk's office to file the paperwork to run on the day of the filing deadline. Uh, The thought thought of even running didn't even cross my mind until uh, the Friday before so I, I had uh, started thinking about it, and then two days later, three days later, I made up my mind that I was going to run, and I filed my paperwork at 3 o'clock p.m., I believe it was, on, on the day of the filing deadline. And because uh, I hadn't I hadn't been thinking about running, I had that, that thought didn't cross my mind. I love farming. I love agriculture. I love what I do. And, uh, and so I wasn't thinking about that. But the fact of the matter is our governor's, uh, unilateral shutdown of our state, making it a crime to go out and earn a paycheck, was just too much for me to just sit by idly and uh, and and ignore it. I decided that okay, now's the time where I have to get involved. I have to do something. There's uh, this this shutdown is not okay. It, it's 
it's uh, impacting lower and middle class families uh, in in ways that it, you know it's not going to hurt uh, the big business owners and the and the wealthy, uh, and then uh, small business owners like my farm and and uh, countless restaurants and countless. Uh, breweries around the state are are shut down and never knowing when they're going to open or if they will even ever be able to open. And so that was the number one issue I campaigned on. The fact that uh, we can reopen safely, we can reopen effectively uh, while following protocols in order to do that. And, And not only can we, but we should and we have to. Uh, that, so that was the number one campaign issue that uh, that I had uh, when I first started when I first started running. Uh, number two was uh, supporting our, our our law enforcement. I mean, as, as you uh, as I'm sure you saw throughout the country during the election season, uh, police departments were getting defunded all over the country, and uh, I, I I was very uh, Pointed in making sure our men and women in uniform knew and know that I will support them. Uh, so those were the two primary uh, ca- uh, issues that I campaigned on. Moving past the election and things that have happened since then, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, some of that has changed. Uh, I mean, those are still priorities of mine. Uh, but along uh, along with that, uh, we have to get our bureaucracy, uh, the, the power of our bureaucracy in Lansing back in check. I mean, the fact that now a unelected bureaucrat can can de- determine who can run and who can operate their business is is just asinine. And, and cutting cutting out the, the legs of the legislature, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's not okay. That is not democracy. That is not checks and balances. And, and so now it, a, another priority of mine is, is making sure uh, it, making sure the power of the bureaucracy gets put back in check and, uh, and that, that authority gets put back in the hands of the voice of the people, which is the legislature. Representative Posthumus, uh, for you to delay that long getting into politics says a lot because <laughs> <laughs> your father was none other than Dick Posthumus, who's a former lieutenant governor of Michigan, a former Senate majority leader in Michigan, and who was the Republican nominee for governor back in 2002, and he ended up being chief of staff for Governor Rick Snyder. I mean, he is like Mr. Rockstar Republican, certainly of West Michigan, and many people would say for the whole state. And your sister, uh, Lisa Posthumus Lyons, is now the Kent County clerk. She's a former three-term state representative herself, and yet you resisted all this time getting into politics. So, boy, you must have been galvanized into action by what you saw happening. But I, I want to ask you this. You had a couple of pretty strong primary opponents. Uh, you knew that you were going to have a tough race, and one or two of them were pretty highly regarded people. But you decided, I'm going to run anyway, and you got in and you beat them, and then you won the general election. So how about all that? <laughs> Well, well, first of all, I, I think uh, I, I, you're absolutely right. It, uh, it, it took some some uh, solid viewpoint on my uh, on my part to to just know that I wasn't planning on on running for office. That that wasn't in that that wasn't something that that I wanted to do. 
uh, the based on the divisiveness of of society today. Based well, on yeah, but the, but your the, opponents probably felt that way too. I mean, they uh, I don't know whether they were reluctant to run, but but they were pretty highly qualified and they probably campaigned on pretty much the same issues, didn't they? Uh, for the for the most part, they did. Yeah, for the most part, they did. And, uh, you know, I, when we when I got in the race, I decided I, I got in knowing that uh, there was nobody that was going to outwork me. And I got in knowing that uh, there there's nobody that understood campaigning as well as I did. And, and so that's that's what it came down to. That's why we were able to win. And, OK, you know, well, we listen, out, we honestly, competition. Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm just getting started with you. Uh, but we're out of time. Uh, that, oh, that was quick. That's, it was very quick. But look, we'll get you back on the program in a little bit after you get your feet wet in the state house, and you can tell us, is this what I signed up for? And <laughs> and, and we'll go to chapter two. How's that? All right, I'm looking forward to it, Bill. Thank okay, you very much. Thank Have you a very great much, day. Representative Brian Posthumus, Republican of Greenville representing his 73rd House District. We'll be back in a minute. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We have returned, and we have another new state representative. He is Bob Bazat. He is a Republican from Marion Township, which is in Livingston County, and he represents the 47th House District. And I think that covers the city of Howell and 10 townships in Livingston County. Welcome to the Political Insider Representative Bob Bazat. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to have me on this morning. Well, Bob Bazat, uh, you are a former Livingston County Sheriff, and I think you've been a member of the Board of Commissioners in Livingston County as well. And yes. I just want to ask you, what is your reaction to what happened in Washington, D.C. this week? Uh, I'm uh, appalled, just like everybody else, that that the, uh, the peaceful protest is the, is the back, backbone of uh, American Politics, uh, uh, just being American, you have a right to protest, but not violent protests. And that's what we're all against is the violence that took place in Washington, D.C. And it's happened on other occasions, too. Uh, when Kavanaugh was, uh, you know, was being... Uh, Brett Kavanaugh? You mean Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. The, the same thing happened then. But I think because uh, because it's President Trump, they're... they're um, it's getting a little bit more news from the mainstream uh, media. So I, that, that part of it has turned, for me, it turned political, and we've missed the main point that nobody has a right to take peaceful protests and then turn it into violence. That's just not the American way. Yeah, well, the Capitol Police have taken a lot of heat for their handling of the situation. I mean, the police chief has resigned under fire, and uh, I'm just curious, as a former longtime, uh, you know, apostle of law enforcement, Bob Bazat, I mean, you have yeah. had a, a number of roles over time, including being the elected county sheriff in Livingston County. What is your reaction to the way the police handled it in Washington from what you've heard and seen? And it's hard to assess, I know. I know it's, it's, uh, 
they they were ill prepared for what happened. I think that's obvious to everybody. Uh, I, I did listen to the to the uh, director uh, this morning, and he said that he had recommended uh, numerous things, numerous steps that they take in, in case something like this happens. But the political people uh, are the ones that have kind of you know stopped that. So when you have political uh, decisions being made in law enforcement, I've seen that in my career as, as a sheriff. I'm elected by the people, and I don't I don't answer to the county commissioners. I I answer to the people, and if I do my job, I get reelected. The chiefs and some of these directors of uh, of the police departments answer to politicians, and when you've got politicians that that are making poor decisions on a number of different levels, then I think this is what you have happen. And I'm not blaming it all on politicians, but I don't think they were prepared. Uh, but according to the director of the uh, the Capitol Police, he had recommended things and, and tried to give some of these people a heads up of what could happen, and they, they failed to take action. In other words, the police were kind of between a rock and a hard place, and they were damned if they did and damned if they didn't. I mean— if they listened to the politicians, they ended up doing things that they, in their heart of hearts, knew wasn't probably the right way to handle things. And so then they, the yeah. police, get blamed when things go wrong or they are perceived as not having done as well as they could, right? That's exactly right. I, I listened to Dan Bongino this morning before I came to the Capitol, and and he, he hit it right on the nail head. You know, when you have politicians making poor decisions— People that don't know how law enforcement works and what the preparation, uh, you know, is needed to, to to deal with a situation like this or the foresight to know what's coming, uh, then then you end up with chaos and the, and that's what happened at the Capitol. They were, and that you know the the people that do the job, the men and women that do the job, get frustrated because they've got political decisions that are getting in the way of them performing at at top peak or. At, the top performance, so they they can avoid some of these things, and this is what you end up getting. You got you got a, a young veteran that was shot and killed, and I, I think she's a mother as well. So that that's a very unfortunate thing. And the FBI and the, the Capitol Police will be you know investigating what happened there and why that happened. And so that's that's something that's going to come down the road. But the political part of it, it's too bad that politics gets involved in in the operation of law enforcement, county sheriffs. Uh, have the authority to, you know, something went wrong, it was on me because I was a, a political person, but never looked at myself as a politician when I was a sheriff. I, I tried to be as open as I could with the public and let them know what's going on, both the good and the bad. And I answered to the people. And uh, I feel bad for some of these chiefs sometimes. And, and even the state police uh, director, they answered to, you know, the governor. And if they don't do their job or don't do what they're directed to do, then they're unemployed. So... Well, Representative uh, Bob Bazat, uh, when you made the decision to run this year, I should say last year, um, what was on your mind? I mean, what were the main issues? Was part of uh, the demand to defund the police one of the motives that propelled you to run for the state house? Or were there other yeah. issues or what? Well, there was two things, uh, Bill. One, The main one was the defunding of law enforcement and I've worked with the men and women in law enforcement. I know they're dedicated uh, people. They don't get paid what they deserve to get paid, uh, in my my humble opinion, uh, for the the risk they take. And I can I can talk to you for hours about 
I was involved in two shootings and, and by the grace of God, I, I survived those two or I'd have been a plaque on a wall somewhere. The, the risk that men and women take out there, unless you do the job, you really don't have an idea on a day-to-day -day basis. They go from one bad situation to another bad situation and they've got to, they've got to get their, um, their psychic or their, uh, their wits about them to deal with each situation as they respond to calls and, over an eight-hour shift or 12-hour shift, it takes its toll. And then uh, you see some of the things that happen, like the George Floyd case, and I'm not making excuses for that. That's something that should never happen. But the stress level of some of these police officers, uh, you just never know. That's one of the things I wanted to deal with. I've already talked to our speaker, Jason Wentworth, about it as far as mental, mental health for for law enforcement, you know, if they're involved in a stressful situation, make sure that we get them somebody to talk to uh, where there's no repercussions, no uh, no disciplinary action can can result from that. They have somebody that they can trust, they can talk to, and and then kind of readjust their feelings and then get back on the street, at, you know, at full capacity. The other issue for me was, was uh, I'm a Vietnam veteran, military person, and we have 22 suicides a day from our veterans, and that, that really concerns me. So those two issues really drove my decision to to run for office because I've got my background is in that area, and I, I felt that I could make uh, an impact. Yeah, when you went around campaigning, we're almost out of time. I mean, what did you encounter? Uh, did you go door to door? What was the reaction of your future constituents <laughs> on these issues? What did they say? What did they think about COVID-19, et cetera? Well, initially what we did is we were very cautious not to, you know, go door to door because of the COVID-19. And But the most, the more we did it, the more people had, a, they wanted to talk about uh, some of the issues that, that's facing our country. So we we ended up doing a lot more door to door as the primary race uh, moved forward. Uh, but, you know, the, the issues, uh, some of the issues changed. I mean, the infrastructure was a top issue, you know, obviously health because of covid but those issues changed because of the, the law enforcement issues. Most people wanted to talk about law enforcement. And then when I brought up the military, the veterans issue on, on suicides, uh, that was an issue that people never even really thought about or didn't realize that that was, that was a big issue for the military. But the main focus, people want because I was the sheriff, people wanted to talk about law enforcement. And 99% of the people out there that I talked to support law enforcement. They love law enforcement. They don't want to defund them. So I was I was pleasantly surprised to, to find that out for sure. Representative Bazad, have you gotten your committee assignments yet? I haven't yet. I I, I think uh, Speaker Wentworth is going to uh, put those out next week sometime, or maybe the week of the 18th. I think. Are you hoping to get on like public safety or something involving yes. law enforcement? Yeah, Jason uh, Jason Wentworth is also former military police, so his background is in pretty much similar to mine. He's Army, and so was I. So we had a great conversation, and I obviously I want to be on the judiciary or public safety, and then uh, the military committees if, if if he deems necessary. So I'm looking forward to those two. I, I technology the southern or the western part of our county, uh, the kids uh, are dealing with uh, the lack of technology. If, for, for lack of a better way to say it, they, they don't have Internet access. And so their school studies, even in our own county, Heartland, Brighton, 
Powell have great access to Internet, but the Fallerville and the western part of our, our county doesn't. So I'd like to uh, deal with that. So I asked to be on the technology committee as well. Are there any other sheriffs in the legislature as far as you know? Well, it's kind of funny. One of my one of my friends that I hired from Washtenaw County is Mike Mueller. Mike won his district uh, uh, last term, so this is his second term. But Mike Mueller is in law enforcement. And then T.C. Clements is also a newly elected. Uh, right. With, for the 101st. He, he's in uh, former law enforcement. But those are the four that I know of, including myself. Right. Well, listen, I want to thank you very much, Representative Bob Bazat of the 47th House District Republican of Marion Township and Livingston County for being our guest. You had a lot of really good insights here. I hope to get you back at some point in the future when you get your committee assignments and uh, have okay. figured out uh, where do we go from here, right, Representative yeah. Bob Bazat? I've got a lot to learn, and I'm looking forward to working with the other 109 uh, legislators to get something done. And uh, I also wanted to note, note that you're, you're a former legislator, and uh, both in the House and the Senate. So, if, you know, maybe you and I can talk as time goes down. Maybe you can be a kind of a, a source of information as well. Hey, I'd love to do it. Listen, Bob Bazat, thank you so much for being our guest. Good luck. I Bill. I enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with still more.